0: What if you were the most vapid person anyone ever met? What if you were dead inside? What if your spark of life was so drowned out by a nine-to-five misery that you had no chance of ever experiencing joy, and then you got cancer, and then everything all of a sudden got better? Maybe it's possible. Christy Huggins spiritual channel mentor and author joins me to talk about her journey with her husband's stage four diagnosis and how that mindset might just be the way out through and beyond get ready it's a mind bender I'm Greg Bornstein and this is open loops conversations that bend I consider it an affront to my family that you haven't heard about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. Okay? Let me let me just lay this out for you. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And and get this. Okay? Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money, moolah, from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Open Loop's conversations that bend it's a theme park for the intellect and imagination they get on a roller coaster they stare into each other's eyes they doubt each other at first intellect very narrow imagination very formless shapeless they ride that roller coaster they get off they look into each other's eyes again the look is different they kiss they embrace they're perfectly married, it's a theme park, it's a thrill, it's a podcast, it's a pleasure to have all of you here with me today. We explore, of course, on this podcast the unexplained, the strange, the fringe, the truthful, the authentic, and when it's not authentic, we dig in to find out why and find the authenticity in the illusion. What illusion do I bring to you today? Today, we bring the big C, cancer. Christy Huggins happens to be another uh, mentee of Isha Patel, who, uh, for those of you who may have listened to an earlier episode, Isha is a multi-dimensional awakening coach. And I found Christy from uh, Isha's circle. And unlike Dylan... Uh, who came in with a very specific set of circumstances, interviewed him earlier on. Christie's entry into the sort of healing work that Isha does was her husband's diagnosis with cancer, as well as her own background in neurolinguistic programming and hypnosis and the other healing modalities that I find just so delicious to eat up. Um, Christy, I, I really was fascinated by her book, Healing Life, with cancer, which is an awesome title. Uh, I wanted to know what is up with cancer. It's a huge one. Cancer is a tough thing in the mind uh, field to overcome because it, yeah, it's a terminal illness often. And it doesn't just, you can't just do affirmations and get cancer away. Or can you? Christy radiates love. I love talking to her. She seems to be a, a, a loving mother, a loving family person. And the reason this episode is titled the way it is, is because I was looking for the most pop cultural reference that I could think of of love radiating in a pure, warm, fuzzy way. And also the possible juxtaposition that maybe they've already overcome cancer that they didn't even treat like it was there. That's right. At the end of my conclusion of this episode, I thought to myself, huh, yeah, how many people are overcoming cancer by the simple fact that love is all they embody in the first place? It's gonna make a lot more sense. Next time you see those little plush toys, you see the little cartoons, just think, they didn't bother with chemo. They're already recovered. Oh, it's it seems like it's a bit out there. Christy's a bit out there. I'm a bit out there. It's a fun time. It's an enlightening chat. It's a heartwarming chat. And yes, your Care Bears, they might have something. They also might have herpes too, but it's a whole nother... It's... Yeah. Guys protect yourselves. Okay, protect yourselves. Anyways, Christy Huggins is here. She is awesome. She was very fun, funny, warm, mind-blowing, and I really enjoy her story. Um, I, I hope you will too. If you feel like this is a story you want to share with others, please do spread this podcast around, open loops, um, subscribe, And that way you'll be sure to hear each new episode. They're coming at you fast. And if you enjoy this podcast, also, uh, please do subscribe uh, as well as rate and leave a review. It's very helpful to keep these shows coming at you. Here she is, spiritual mentor, channel, and author, Christy Huggins.
1: I don't know I if did. I did
0: that wait now i have to <laughs> record this okay okay <laughs> folks folks i miss this i just missed the best intro ever i was like how do i get christy huggins who first of all christy thank you for coming on open loops today
1: thank you for having me this is pretty exciting one you're like in new york two it's open loops and your voice and your accent is just cool
0: uh, thank you. Thank you. I was just like, how do I introduce you? I know you've you've written three books. You're very spiritual. You talk about uh cancer and and overcoming uh in addition to like a life-threatening disease, like yeah, you, know, you yourself have experienced a lot of trauma and a lot of heartbreak and a lot of uh hardship in your life, and you really come at this from a very um higher dimensional and heart centered view so i'm going is she a healer is she an author is are you a channel and you told me well you, i said who is christy huggins and i don't know i mean can you do it again <laughs> i hate to put the pressure
1: on you oh my god let's do it again so who is christy huggins so christy huggins is an open channel through which spirit i suppose speaks through her as a vehicle that comes down from the fifth dimension and becomes into a tangible resource like a book or an immortal. And of course, I'll just give you a bit of background. I'm sitting in a tent in a caravan park in the middle of Queensland's Gold Coast, and there's drills and shit. So hopefully that doesn't interrupt. So sorry for the sound in advance. But it's all right. who is who is Christy Huggins? She is an open channel that has opened her heart to allow the infinite source of love from the fifth dimension to come through her in the forms of words and books. And I suppose an author is the best way to describe it, but she can also energetically understand energy in such a way from the heart centre that can transform any, I suppose, tragedy, adversity, pain or suffering from a heart-centered view to allow peace and harmony to fill them up in times of shock, uh, wow. emotional trauma, and instantly transform that pain in the moment when people need it the most.
0: Wow! 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 Is some we need a we need a? Do you put that on LinkedIn?
1: I, I I'm not on LinkedIn. i, I my social,
0: <laughs> yeah. I, as,
1: as fast as I'm evolving people are like, do you have Instagram? Do you have LinkedIn? I'm like, Hey, I'm new to all this. I'm just getting this started. Yeah. Um, so...
0: Yeah. I know <laughs> you're kind of, you're kind of formless in some ways. You're like uh like, I definitely yes. felt you are, um, you are kind of like a radiating heart.
1: Well, thank you. I I'm kind of everywhere and nowhere. I don't have a physical address. I don't have a, Wait, is that true? I don't have a physical address. Yeah, I don't have a physical address because my husband and I and my three children are on book tour around Australia. So we've sold our house. We've sold everything we own. And we found ourselves even in a more formless position of no physical house address either. Wow.
0: (laughs) Wow. Christy, like I need to know a little bit about sort of where um, you're coming from in the sense that did you always imagine that uh, you, actually, I, I don't know. Did you ever imagine that you would be as formless in in, uh, you know, channeling as well as in uh, life design as you are now? Like, were you meant to get married, have a house, live in the suburbs, like, you know, maybe have a nine to five job da, 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 da. Like, was that the path you were on? And if not, uh, what was it that got you here?
1: So. What got me here? So before here, the formless, I suppose you speak about, was I grew up, you know, more the poorer lifestyle. I won't go down that track too far, but that was a bit shitty. I had very strict parents. I had six-foot fences, weren't allowed out. We weren't allowed to do many things. Um, We didn't have everything that every other person had. We wondered why we lived in a house with no walls and no kitchen and slugs in the bathroom and very poverty-stricken. you know, we did have like the traditional family life, you know, you go to school, but I always hated living at home. It sucked. Um, it was shitty. I was never allowed to do what I wanted. And at a very young age, I experienced, I suppose, a spiritual experience where my great-grandmother had died when I was 12. And she come and sat on my bed and she was talking to me as if You know, she hadn't died. She was just sitting there. I physically felt her on the end of the bed. Um, I was talking to her. And then I got up and I went out and spoke to my parents and said, hey, guess what? Dossie was on the end of my bed. And what came out of my parents' mouth was what a load of shit. And I went, it was real. And from that moment, my parents believed none of this. They absolutely believed none of this. But there was something in me that I had such an angry childhood um, and then I was told to become a hairdresser because I was good at creating things because my grandma was an Australian ballroom champion dancer and all the right. hair, the makeup. So I went down the typical path because my parents didn't believe in spiritual stuff. Um, they didn't nurture it. They were very unconscious. I did. My mum still this day didn't know how to read or write. She still can't spell. Um, I didn't know how to read and write until I was 30. I winged my way through life. I then went down the typical. I need to get out of home. I hated it. So at the age of seventeen, they said, you know, when you get a job and can pay for yourself, you can move out. I was like done. Two days later, I had a job as a checkout chick at a big W, you know, clothing store. Yeah. And then I moved. I moved out of home. And then I was like, oh my god, this is cool. And then I became a hairdresser because they're like, you've got to have an apprenticeship. So because back then you got to have to be an apprentice. So I became a a hairdressing apprentice uh, and then I moved to Melbourne which was another state and then that was cool I still was like this kind of sucks but I was very creative hairdressing opened up my creative freedom I suppose and then I became very good at that and then I was ranked fourth internationally I've been a, I was a hairdresser for 25 years became a celebrity hairstylist did the best in, you know lots of celebrities channel 7 work became an award-winning hairstylist that was fun and i was like this is cool but there's more like i owned a salon a training academy i was appeared in magazines did lots of famous shit right and people were like she has the lifestyle and then it just still still wasn't there and then while i had my business i was doing the whole struggle work hard promote hard market hard it was shitty And the life balance, because I had a son by then, because, you know, I I, before that got married and divorced very fast. Um, You know, I was excelling at a level that, you know, the normal societal lifestyle kind of pissed me off. I was like, I didn't want to get married and have kids. And that, that was boring. I did all that.
0: Yeah.
1: And. It wasn't fulfilling like they said. <laughs>
0: That's interesting. That's interesting that you came from a poor background, and then found your way out of it. And uh, honestly, I, I wish I knew more about you know your your past because I I look at you as such like a, a speaker of, um spirituality and and you know, for my listeners like Christy has written three books, one of which is an Amazon bestseller about cancer and overcoming trauma and about healing it with spirituality and love and you delve into you know the neurochemistry and um, yep. the power of subconscious reprogramming to get stuff, all stuff that I as a, a student of hypnotists, or hypnosis and and the the mind uh sciences, I suppose. I don't know if they're really sciences, but like of the mind uh disciplines find fascinating. So like that's where this is all headed. But yeah. um, you know, you could have just stopped at being like, like here, here's where the path of Christie could have gone. It could have been like, I came from a poor background, I wanted to get out of the house, and I did, and I became a successful hairstylist and I'm going to teach you how to. And it's like but yeah. it didn't fulfill you. Um yeah. first of all like wh- for some people for for some people like they'd want to go to a Tony Robbins seminar and like become a celebrity hairstylist and be like I defined my childhood. But like what do you think that
1: was?
0: That you didn't get all that satisfaction, even though you were coming from such, like, as you described, a terrible background.
1: So what it was, my ability in those shitty times was to imagine I was somewhere else while shitty things were happening. And when I became, you know, the whole, uh, you know, hairstylist success, I suppose, I realized when I opened my own business, I had the control of everything. Because when you work for somebody, you get told what to do. And I found, which was good for a certain amount of time. And then I just suddenly found myself excelling in such a way that I was like, hey, I can do this for myself. All right. So then I opened up a salon and realized I still did incredible hair, but it wasn't the hair creativeness. People started coming to me when I said, oh, what do you want me to do with your hair? They're like, we don't care what you do to our hair. We just want to come talk to you. I went, okay they're like we just love what you have to say every time we we come in here you have us leaving feeling better and it's got nothing to do with hair and I was like oh righto so I could have done (laughs) shitty hair and they still would have come but because I put my all into everything because how you do one thing is how you do everything um I started to clients were like making jokes oh Christy you should become a psychologist you're the best therapy I've ever had hey you told me this and I implemented this and my life's now this and I was like holy shit maybe I should become a psychologist um and then the jokes aside people were like hairdressers are the best psychologists and probably having that seed planted over a number of years um and hairdressing and life is about psychology of the mind and I went Hey, there's something to this. So mm. I, you know, put in to become a psychologist, and then I paid the course fees. I got the books and did all that. Opened up the first page, and I went, "Holy shit, that looks hard." So I shut the book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "Oh, this sucks. I don't want to do that." And then I did start to learn to read instead. So I did find myself. With Tony Robbins books, people gave them to me as a gift, like a present for like a birthday or something. I did read the Tony Robbins books and I did go to the Tony Robbins seminar.
0: Oh, like, wow.
1: And when I was learning to read at the age of 30, personal development, because when I was divorced at 30, I had an 18-day-old baby and I, in that moment I made a decision I now have to step up and provide for this other human. And it wasn't until I had to do it for somebody else, the magic started to happen because it wasn't about me anymore. It was about my son. And in doing that, when I learned to read while he was in bed, this word neuro-linguistic programming kept coming up in all books. Mm. And I was like, what the hell is this NLP stuff? And if it's only a mindset thing, And if it's only a reprogram your mindset thing, and if it's only conditioning that needs to be unlearned and relearned and reconditioned, well, to me, I went, well, that's not hard. I'll just do that. And because I was illiterate, I didn't absorb all the stuff from school and other people. And I was pretty much a blank slate. So my programming, other than my childhood and all the other shit that happened, was the only thing I had to remove. And it seemed pretty easy because I also didn't realise that was that was a decision to go, well, that's easy. I'll do that. And yes. I've literally just been doing that. So the way the energy I've been unfolding was, okay, well, all I need to do is find someone who teaches neurolinguistic programming. And I was like, okay. And magically I went to a seminar with one of the books I read from John assafras called the answer. Mm. Uh, and in his, in his book, he wrote, he had like a, a book that you put in things and you implement. So he had action steps in this book and I was like, all right, well I'll just actionize the book. I'll just do what he says in the book. Yeah, And I did. And that's how I created my hairdressing training salon. And then within two years, I had it open and it was to the day, like the exact date. And I was like, oh my God, this is that magic shit they talk about in the secret. Like, you know, the secret with Rhonda Byrne, like this shit was actually, this shit was really happening. I'm like, oh my God, this shit actually works. Oh my God. And I was still got in that phase of this isn't going to happen for me. It happens for everyone else. I'm not one of those people. Um, This is all a load of shit and they've just made it that way. But no, this actually happened. And then, I somehow manifested to have lunch with John Fresh when he came from the US to Australia. And when I went to this seminar and paid to have lunch with him, because I was like, hey, I want to meet the author of this book. Yeah. Because I was like, when you meet the author, that's that's the that's the holy grail, right? They wrote it. They've surely got more wisdom and stuff. And I was like, in awe of this guy. And while I was at that seminar, and then the last day I was I went by myself. Um, I walked out and it was in Sydney and there was this guy in the middle of the foyer handing out cards to, he's a trainer of neurolinguistic programming. And he's like, Hey, I teach this stuff. And I was like, stop it. Really? Like, yeah. are you? So I took his card and I went, take my word for it. I will call you and I will work with you. And he's like, probably heard that a thousand times and then no one rings. But in my heart, I was like, I'm definitely calling this guy. I literally had somewhere else to be. Anyway, I kept hold of his card. I did. I literally rang him and I trained with him. Uh, It took me three years, five years to train with him. And then I became a trainer. I went up the ranks, trained with him, did the practitioner, did the master, did the training program. Now I'm a trainer of neuro-linguistic program. And I became a trainer of hypnosis. So I literally just followed, I suppose, the universe's messages and reprogrammed my mind. And when I was learning all the tools and skills and techniques of neurolinguistic programming, I literally adapted them to my personal life and my business. And I was like, okay, this is great. So only problem with that, I found I didn't want to have my salon and I didn't want to have my training center. I was like, oh, my God, now I've got to shut my business. So I did. I shut my business in 18 months. And Wow. I was like, I want to become a coach to help people. I want to become a personal development coach. And I was like, oh, this is a flooded industry. You know, it's full of all these self-help people, personal development. It's like, yeah, I can do this. So I did. And then I actually had a transition where from closing my business and then becoming a personal development coach. And the magic that unfolded, I started earning 10 grand a week and started having clients coming left, right and center. And I'm like, Hey, this is magical stuff. And then I wow. hit another, and then I hit another block in the road. This whole personal development thing. People don't start to not like you when you start to succeed. And I was like, I started putting on Facebook and social media, hey, you know, I'm earning this much money a week. And then people started going, Christy, not allowed to brag about that. There's people around here that aren't doing what you're doing. And you know, you're making them feel bad. And then I started to lose my friends and family. And people started to actually hate me. You can't be happy about life. Like, you can't be that happy. And I was like, well, I actually am. But And then I I (laughs) suffered self-criticism and a blowback from that going, what do you mean I can't tell people about this? And I started to feel really guilty. And I went, oh, my God, which now I realize I dropped back to a vibrational low And and I got stuck there for a bit. And I stopped doing Facebook, I stopped promoting, I stopped working with clients, I really suffered a hit. And I went, in that moment, I felt bad for other people who weren't making the same money. And then I was conflicting with, but you just change your mindset and you can be this or you can be whatever you want. I didn't see limitation, but I suffered an energetic hit. Because the conflict I now seeked was I had all these repro- like reprogrammed belief systems. You can be anything you want, just reprogram your mind. But then what I didn't see was the invisible energy of keeping me in a low vibration. And I was like, holy shit, what's going on here? And then I met my husband, now husband, Ben, and we um, we met at an NLP training, like our trainers training.
0: Right, right.
1: And- And this is where I met him. And then what happened was I, we went down the hole, let's have a baby, let's get married, let's do all of this stuff. And I was like, I stopped work altogether. I'm just going to be a stay home mom. And I was like, where's this coming from? And I'd always like, you know, I just want to stay home with my children. I want to raise them. But then another conflict happened. You know, we had a baby and then that, that energy come back and going, I need to work again. I need to do something. This staying home, being a mother wasn't fulfilling either. And I'm like, oh my God, this is just shitty. Like I have a beautiful children. I have an amazing partner. We weren't married at the time. And I was like, what's going on here? Like that up and down was really fluctuating from amazing life to postnatal depression, amazing life depression and i'm like this is insane um and then husband and i decided to get married i'm i'm leaving a lot of in between stuff out and giving you the high chunk of things. I
0: know this is like this is like such a I'm with this journey. Everything I'm like I don't know is it because she's an NLP practitioner or like trained in hypnosis but like you are um I am going with you like my subconscious is kind of like bouncing around to the different points in your life and uh very much like oh am I about to am I about to get married here? Am I about to overcome my depression by like marrying like Christie's husband like Let's see. Let's go with it. Um, Yeah. Okay. So wait a minute. Wait a second. I do want to ask one thing. Like you're depressed and then you decide to get married. Like, were you able to compartmentalize those two things back then?
1: So here's the thing I've learned about energy. You attract what you are. And I know my husband's going to hear this and he's going to be like, holy shit. So in NLP, there's a thing called uh, uh, perception is projection. And mm. my husband and I are both trained NLP trainers. So not only <laughs> are we both trained in the same things, we're both husband and wife, we now look at each other as a conscious relationship. And we're like, we know that being married to each other and our anger toward each other is just a mirror of ourselves. So we're able to actually communicate on such a profound level that if I hate him, I know I'm just hating myself. And I'm like, just be yourself, husband. It's the most empowering, evolutional thing you can do. I know I'm not going to like it at times, but just be yourself. Otherwise, you're defaulting on my evolution. And that's selfish. And he's like, okay, so if we just be ourselves, we're going to evolve at such a quantum level (laughs) that we're like, honey, please be yourself in all its beauty because, I don't want to miss out on missing a link. Um, Wait a
0: this is really interesting. I in terms of like let's let's make this like very um you know, I mean I I know uh your mentor Isha Patel uh sees things in 13 dimensions. So I'm going to bring this down to like two dimensions for a second. Um yes. let's talk like like very practically how that works because I feel like it's a pretty good lesson. Um let's say it's You know, classic example being um, husband comes home work uh, from work late, doesn't tell the wife, uh, wife made dinner. Or actually, let's do the reverse. Wife comes home from work late. Um, husband made dinner. Uh, and, you know, like, like, um, you know, the 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 communication was missed. They're frustrated at each other. Like the, the wife is frustrated that she had such a tough day. The husband's frustrated that he made uh, a meal and like, you know, she's not happy to be there. Um, it, it, like, what is the way what is the conscious way out of that struggle
1: good question so the conscious this is the question let me so let's put it into a context through i was at, let's say i was at work i've had a shit time my husband ben made dinner he was all excited and blah blah blah. and i missed dinner is that the question
0: yeah yeah
1: and then he got really shitty and i'm really shitty so when we come home we're both banging heads yes so are we yes. walking into that all right yes so here's Here's how husband and I would overcome that. <laughs> what I would be asking myself the question. I would stop for a moment and really harness in on a on a question. I would go and sit for a minute when I walk in the door, and I, I like, I'd be like, I walk in and he's doing his thing, right? And I, and I I just don't say anything. I just observe so I can get full context of what's unfolding, and then I sit with that and I listen to the feelings that are welling up. And I need to make a choice here. Am I going to react or am I going to respond? And if I react, this is all going on in my head, right? No words are coming out of my mouth. So if I react at the same level of reaction that he's giving me, you've got World War III. Yes. And if I ask myself, if I respond in the most nurturing way, how can I help him in that moment to make things a lot easier while reserving my shittiness and anger inside myself because let's defuse the bomb Mm. and I can then diffuse that going okay is there anything I can help this we literally do this by the way is there anything I can help you ease what's happening here and if he says no there's not I just I just made you know I'm like okay what would you like me to do for next time and he might go blah blah blah. I'll be like yeah okay Cool. Well, I didn't know you were cooking dinner, but let's say I'm going to eat this now. Would that be okay? Uh, Or how can I respond in such a way? Now, there are two things that can happen there. One, do I drop to that low vibration and accept it and go, Well, I didn't know you were cooking dinner. I didn't, you know, and engage in that argument? Yeah. Or do I hold the high road and say, Wow, you made me dinner. That's incredible. And I maintain my high vibrational energy and just say nothing and observe and just let him be heard because that's all he really wants he wants to know that he cooked dinner he wants to know all the effort that he put into dinner he probably wants to know I went out and got this special ingredient and put in the dinner for you and I was like okay so I have to learn to show compassion in that moment and then what, what I would do with myself I would then go away into a room and I would write on a piece of paper actually I journal and I would journal and ask myself what just unfolded then what do I need to know in this moment how can I diffuse that anger and I channel it or put it onto paper and allow that energy to be released because if I internalize that that's when we get things like the wind just turn up like now Um, and if you don't express the tornado it's just going to keep destructing things (laughs) <laughs> Wait a minute.
0: Gonna... <laughs> this is like you are just like using some. Sub- you're you're using uh, what what does he call it? Utilization, right there. Like, am I in your trance or are you in my trance right now? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> you're talking about the wind. Wait a minute. When you said the wind, do you mean literally? You believe that the internal, the repression of those emotions can actually bring about storms?
1: Yes. So, okay. Have you ever tried to Let's put it into a, a, a an imaginary perspective. Uh, America has lots of tornadoes, right?
0: Yeah, sure. In Certain parts of the country, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of hurricanes so, everywhere.
1: Can you control the hurricane and its path?
0: Uh, I, I I guess I not that I'm consciously aware of.
1: No none of us probably could control something at that magnitude. No. no. So here's what the thing to do is to already in that moment, except I cannot control it, I'll just let it go, see the just see what see the path it takes. and when that tornado or hurricane has gone, you then come back and observe the path that left and go okay, what do I need to do from here on in? You just accept and assess the situation at hand. Okay, it went through this town. It destroyed this many houses. So many people may have been injured or whatever. And, you know, what is it that I can personally do now to help this situation? One, everyone just goes back to their own house and see what destruction there is. And the next thing they're going to do is probably, one, call their insurance company. (laughs) And then, two, they They're going to say, all right, we need food, water, shelter, clothing. Who can we get help from that? You then go back to the most basic of human needs. So the basic human needs are safety, you know, um, survival, shelter, food, and you just get those under control. So in that moment of coming home from dinner, you're like, "It's one, I'll be like, it's just a dinner. Why am I putting so much thought and drama into one dinner that I missed when I was at work having my own day. Instead of what if we take the 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 look off ourselves and say, Hey, wifey, how was your day today? And what that does, in the moment that he may be feeling the anger and frustration of me not showing up for dinner, and what I've learned by writing stage five, the the carer's guide to thriving cancer diagnosis, was I actually in that moment of, of Turmoil had to look beyond what I was feeling and look through it in that moment and observe and go, Okay, I need to help him, even though I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. When I consciously decide to help Ben in his moment, by me helping him transcend all of my pain and suffering into peace and harmony, because by helping him, Default, I'm only helping myself because in perception and projection, if you want to get NLP like, yeah, that is the part of me that I need to look at that I'm refusing or avoiding. That if I look at that in all its form as it's me, I talk to it at its own energy and nurture it or him, and therefore, by paradox, it resolves it within me and the whole energetic harmony comes into play. So by helping Ben, which is what's actually happened when, um, which brings us to when Ben and I got married 10 days later, he was diagnosed with cancer
0: and we just,
1: and we'd only been married 10 days. And like, if you look at society, you get married, have children and then your life is set. Right. And we'd finish our 10 year plan because we're both personal development trainers and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden the universe throws us a curveball of cancer. Are you serious? I literally looked over to the doctor, which I never go to these things with Ben. This is a year and a half ago. He got yeah. diagnosed and this is a whole new realm. Like we're we're personal development people that believe that, you know, we understand that illness and suppression of emotions create illness. And, you know, you have to express them and there's always an emotional link and the mind-body connection. And then we go into the doctor and the doctor looks at us and says, oh, great, you bought your family. Mind you, I was 13 weeks pregnant with my third, like our third child, nursing our 18-month or 15-month-old at the time. And the doctor's got tears in his eyes and he's reading the results of Ben's scan. And he says, sorry to tell you, Ben, but you have bowel cancer. And I wow. literally with a knee jerk reaction looked at the doctor, which I put doctors on it. I used to put doctors on a pedestal and I'm like, what I, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to swear on this, but I was like,
0: <laughs> you have already. It's all good.
1: Oh, I have. Yeah. Right. So I didn't even know. That. I was like, what, what the fuck did you just say? And my whole body felt like napalm was burning inside it. Every cell of my core being started to shake and shift. And I nearly fainted. And I was like, It was such a DNA activation, I suppose, of a cellular shift I'd never experienced. And I'm like, cancer, are you kidding me? You're going to die and leave me with three kids? This is what happened. And I internalized, I didn't think about Ben and how he was feeling. I suddenly, selfishly just went, oh my God, my husband's going to die. I'm going to be left with three kids. Where the fuck I'm going to live? What am I going to do? He's the only one with a job. I'm the stay home mum. Holy shit. He's the carer for the family. He's the one that makes all the money. Oh, my God, what am I going to do now? And all of these things started coming in. And I was like, in this intersection moment. And then I look over at Ben because this felt like a million years, but it was only nanoseconds. And I look over at him and I'm like, Ben, are you okay? Like, are you okay? And then he's silent. There was silence and suddenly we found ourselves in a whole new world and we walk out of the doctor's office. We didn't say a word to each other. We sat in the car and drove home and we're like, didn't say anything. We got to the kitchen, we got home, go out in the kitchen, just look at each other and I was like, all right, we should ring some people. And then all of a sudden we found ourselves, we put the kids to bed that night. Mind you, we hadn't spoken a word to each other. We then were sitting on the lounge room floor of our house and just hugged each other and started crying. It was like, oh, my God. And we had a profound, I suppose, conscious conversation because our knee-jerk reaction was, holy shit, he's going to die. Now that we know what we know, that's just what we're conditioned to think because the way we handle a, a scenario such as cancer is also conditioned because we're taught to fear it, and a little bit more into that in a minute. But we sat there, and, we're, and I started ha- asking the hard questions Because we had some emotional intelligence behind us, and some training and things that I suddenly in tears going, well, husband, like our baby's not even born yet. Our daughter's 15 months old. Our son is 10. How do you want the children to remember you? How do you want me to share with the world? How do you want our kids to remember their daddy?
0: Wow. That they're not even going
1: to know. What do you want me to do? in your life like and then these things that I said honey what do you want to do in your life before you die what bucket list do you want to have ticked off what do you want me to help you do before you die how do you want to be remembered these were the questions that we asked confrontingly to each other and we were very distraught and That is like,
0: crazy that is crazy I, I just want to say for a second that like I am resonating with this story so much, Um, you know, I was telling you before I went on, uh, we we started recording that um, I had a grandmother who passed away from pancreatic cancer back in uh, It was around 2014 uh, when we learned of the diagnosis and as somebody that was really studying. Uh, alternative health and healing and certainly studying like hypnosis and neuro-linguistic programming a lot, Christy, like I was reading a lot about it. Um, I hit a wall because of the cancer. Like, like I hit a wall. I was reading through everything. I was looking through like, you know, Steve Andreas's books and seeing stories from Richard Bandler. If he'd ever done anything with like all these, all the classics, Milton Erickson, everybody. I was looking it up. Now, some people referred me to some hypnotists, but like you type in cancer and hypnosis online. It is a taboo topic. It is. a Well, and, and most people will admit you can't like. It's certainly not something you're going to I mean, look, in general, Hypnotists say cure is not something you're supposed to promise people. You're not. supposed. I help you lose weight. I help you quit smoking like 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 that's sort of the frame anyways. But once you get into cancer, like I could not find anything, certainly no hypnotists who were promising, oh, come to me for mm-hmm. cancer treatment. So like the fact that you are actually immersed in this and training people mm-hmm. in their programming and like came from this perspective and then all of a sudden it's like okay healer heal this like I can't yep. even imagine what both you and your husband were sitting there going like is there something we didn't is there some is there a chapter we missed in this like <laughs> like, like <laughs> I really wonder how must how traumatic that must have been as somebody that like I, it feels like the technology of NLP and hypnosis can do so much until you get to that
1: yeah I'm um- you're absolutely right. So we hit the wall too. Cause we're like, I said, honey, what aren't you expressing it's time to get clean on all this shit? Like <laughs>
0: right, right.
1: And I went, What's you not telling? <laughs> right. Um, and we suddenly found ourselves that, oh my god, we're drawing on all the training we have, and we didn't have the answers. Yes. And like you said, we hit the brick wall. We hit that brick wall too. And I went holy shit I've just spent the last five years training in NLP and now this shit's not helping me. what the fuck like yeah what's 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 next? So here's what happened. when that happened that moment that silly cellu- remember I was telling you in the doctor surgery that I felt like I had a cellular shift?
0: yes well let's
1: yes. just call that probably the first spiritual shit that probably happened because we found ourselves on the conveyor belt of cancer. We left the doctor surgery oh shit, like here's what goes on, right? We're, we're aware of fear. We're aware of, you know, anger, fear, sadness, hurt and guilt, right? We're aware of these emotions. We teach this shit. And we're yeah. like, fear is one of those things that, that's that's some pretty scary shit, right? If you, if you're not up with the knowledge or anything of a particular subject and someone says, here's how it's done. Like cancer didn't fucking blink an eye. We're like, all right, we know nothing. Like this shit happens to everybody else. And to top it all off, the doctor says, you're only 35. This normally happens to people who are 60. And let's get real. We're going to start you at stage three. Uh, oh, How many stage? How many stages are there? Oh, there's four. Oh, okay. Let's go straight to the top of the class then. Um, so oh, man. In that, Terrible. So in that moment, we're like, all right. So doctor conveyor belt says, all right, stage three, we've got to rush this. You're you're at this pinnacle point. We have to get this before it gets to stage four. We've got to surgically remove it. We need to start you on 10, 10 weeks of chemotherapy, radiation. We've got to annihilate this shit before it kills you. And I'm looking at the doctor going, what the, what is going on here? We walk out the doctor's surgery and Have you ever waited in a doctors and had no wait time? Like we didn't even get to sit down right this way. It was like the fucking red carpet was laid out. You're at a pinnacle point. You're going to die. We need to chemo you, radiate you, and surgically remove this vicious thing called cancer from your bowel. And we're like, oh, my God. So we then found ourselves transferred to a surgeon who's going to then guide you how they're going to surgically remove it and then we're going to tell you to go see this other doctor and they're going to administer your chemotherapy protocol and then you're going to go to the radiation doctor and they're going to administer your radiation protocol and here's what happened when we were in the first meeting I don't know where this come from and I don't know how this really happened but I know it was a like a non-physical knowing of something that happened so Mm. ben and i and the kids are in the now we're now in the the surgeon's office in another town being guided how they're going to surgically remove after a heap of scans right he's had all these mri scans he's had the ultrasounds the ct scans and they know where it is now they know how big it is and they're now going to go take us through the map how they're going to remove it now this woman We're sitting across from this woman who I looked at and I was like, you're an emotional beast, aren't you? Like, oh, my God. And she's slowly telling my husband how she's going to slowly kill him. And what? I was like, what? all right, this is what's going to happen. You're yeah. gonna." She goes, all right, we're going to sit. I have a very profound perspective and the language I'm using is actually purposeful um, for, for a very particular reason because I don't want people to think that this is the only way. If they're going to use fear to, to scare us, they've definitely gone about it the right way. So they're like, well, we have to go in. And what they suddenly found was where Ben's tumour is, was in such a unique position that surgery may not even help him as well. Oh. And we're like, are you, are you kidding me, universe? Like, I thought in my own mind, I'm like, okay, they're going to surgically remove it and then we'll get on with our merry way. No because where Ben's tumour was put was on the bend of his, um, where, wherever it is, it was on a bend. So surgically removing it was going to leave him with a stoma bag for the rest of his life, no use of his lower areas. So no more sex for husband, <laughs> no yeah. more use of his bowels, no more pooping, no more this. He had no use of anything. And they said, oh, we can't guarantee, you know, but, you know, that's, it's better than dying. And then suddenly something come over me in the surgery. And I literally said, kids, we're leaving the room. Now, who in their right mind leaves the office where the surgeon's going to help their husband how to heal and be alive? And I was like, I've heard enough of this. I'm out. Right. And I I walked out of this. She's probably extremely good at what she does. She's probably saved many lives. But there was a feeling or an energetic force or a knowing that just suddenly awoken in me. I walked out. I, I'd i been done hearing it. And then I waited for my husband to come out. We sat in the car and he goes, are you okay? Like, are you okay? And I went, are you going to? And here's what happened. I must have channeled this shit because it wasn't me, the wife, Chrissy, who said it. I sat there and I went, are you going to settle for that? And it was like a different voice. It was like a stern. He's like, What do you mean? And Ben's like, What do you mean? Am I gonna settle for that? I was like, There has to be another way. And I was and he's like, Well, what other way is there? And then the magic has been unfolding ever since. And we're like, What do you mean there's another way? Well, is this is apparently the only way? Yeah. And, well, it's not. There was like alternative healing or natural therapies. And we're like, my core belief and value is there is nothing outside of ourself. So everything comes from within. And I was like, well, how can something external fix you or heal you or do something like putting the power outside of yourself and putting your life into someone's hands, you know, with all good intention that they have to help you. And, they, you know, there are people that this stuff actually worked and done stuff. But knowing our training, we're like, there's nothing outside of us. Why are we putting our power outside? Like someone else has got the responsibility of our life now. And we felt powerless. And mm-hmm. that fear, and that fear started to get stronger. And we're like, why are we so scared? We're not scared. Like we, we know what fear does. And it and what fear does, it, re, it creates a chemical imbalance in the body. It releases chemicals from the brain, that fight and flight system, like the, the adrenal glands, the, um you know, uh, the nervous system is in high force like it's putting chemicals and hormones of stress into the body feeding the cancer right oh, and we're wow. like holy shit and then we started to go down the path of natural therapies and we started to go well sugar is cancer's best friend it feeds on sugar mm. now i don't know about you but if you look at what sugar's in you, you don't have to be a scientist to understand that sugar is in goddamn everything. Yes, yes. Now, even the chemical they put in your body for the CT scan is sugar because they want it to be illuminated on the scans. So when sugar is attracted and it will go to the source of the cancers and will illuminate on a CT scan, and that's how you know where it is. And we're like, What? the very thing that feeds it is what they use to test it and what illuminates it to know where it is. And we're like, but that's feeding it as well. And we're like, oh my God, well, we have to, we have to forego this. And then when Ben and I started to go down the natural alternate route and look into food, look into diet, look into, you know, the CBD oils and the, um, you know, the holistic approach to spiritual people who, you know, they go off into the jungles and heal themselves. Yeah. And then we're like, okay. And then because we put a post on Facebook, you know, it was a victim post, post, like a holy shit, like my husband's just been diagnosed with cancer and he lost his job instantly. We had to do a GoFundMe page and then people started reaching out. And the the love that people showed us, they helped us through. They donated money to us and it helped us and it was like this. and we found ourselves in uncharted territory and what we decided in that moment after we found, okay, well, husband, you're going to have to make a choice because he made a choice. We, we had to make a choice because after we found out what chemotherapy is and what it does and we found out what radiation is and what it does and we found out what the surgery was going to do and what it could you know, do, we found ourselves in a very unique position and the the what do you, what do you call it the side effects of those treatments and we're like well we're pregnant we have a little baby we have another child what are we going to do like you can't work I, I i'm in the position that i'm not not able to work at the moment either because i'm about to have a baby um what are we going to do and ben's like He watched his father go through chemotherapy. He watched his father go through radiation from the age of 19 and above. And he saw how sick it made him. So husband made a decision. And collectively, as a family, we made a choice. Are we going to choose quantity of life or are we going to choose quality? Now, this is a tough call. We write this in our books. We made a choice there and then that we're going to choose quality. He may have only had one month or two months or three months, a year, five years at most but we were going to make it the best five years we had. So we chose quality and he made a choice in that moment to refuse chemotherapy, refused radiation and refused surgery. And what happened in that moment, we took our own power back and we started researching everything we knew about alternative methods to, you know, heal cancer, so to speak. Yeah. Or, you know, but there's, you know, the word cure doesn't exist um we're not allowed to cure cancer you're not allowed to do this and we're like well we know we can't cure it because this is the one of the toughest things like what are we going to do to help his life be easier and then we were referred to a number of people and then ben went down the fasting we changed our diet from uh to a full plant-based whole food we stopped eating meat we stopped eating dairy we stopped eating uh processed foods we eliminated all sugar we eliminated um, everything. Uh, and went to just plant-based eating. So, and we were very strict. We cold turkey and went for, like, what analogy, cold turkey, right? We don't eat meat. So we stopped eating meat um, and we stopped doing all of this stuff because we found that all the hormones and chemicals and the ability for the body to process meat, he was told he couldn't eat meat because it was going to harm his bowel and this, so he wasn't allowed to eat it. And in support, I did the same thing. I didn't have the cancer, but I was like, you know what? As a personal development coach, I knew environment was very important. So I just did the same thing he did. Wow! I encouraged him. I could have sat there and kept eating steak and chicken and all that. I didn't have to change. I chose to because yeah. your environment is everything. And I was like, well, I'm going to do the best I can to help uplift him. And then he, you know, started. And then he found Dr. Robert Morse. So he found herbs. He found um, fruit, fart, like who we are as human beings, as like fruitarians and, you know, um, all this sort of stuff. And I went and he's gone into elaboration in his book with this and he put his protocols in and everything. And we're like, what a new world. And then we started living like this because it was life or death. We had to. He didn't get a choice. He had to live like this. And technically when he started to research the science of the body the chemical the cellular structure of the human um when it comes down to it you know the human body as my husband says and forgive me if i get this wrong in any part of the way and if someone says christy said it wrong please forgive me i don't have his book in front of me i'm only going off information that he's regurgitated <laughs> right. to many times uh, but you know the human body is made up of a cell and two fluids and if you know if emotions and the human body can do you know break down those cellular structures and if an acidic environment kills those cells you're either alkaline or acidic you know acid burns right and alkaline neutralizes I suppose not I'm not an expert at this I'm just going off other things um and I and we found well something wasn't making sense if chemotherapy it has a toxic-acidic ratio of two, 2.8, I think it is, and battery acid is 1.8. You're actually attacking a cancer cell, which is acidic, which is just acidosis in the body. If you're attacking a, a damaged cell with acid that's acid, logically to me, I'm not an expert, that just doesn't make sense. You're just going to crucify it and kill it even more. And husband and I started looking at each other, going, Well, that just doesn't make sense. Why would you attack something that's acidic with acid? Yeah. As much right. as research has gone into it. And if it's a damaged cell, we started to ask ourselves empowering questions. Well, how do you regenerate the cell?
0: <laughs> right.
1: Okay. So, on a micro level, if you just find out what regenerates a cell, you know, that being the environment, <laughs> that being emotions. The triggers of the mind, like what part of the brain releases those chemicals to make the body acidic, and what foods create acidity, like acid and stuff like that. And we've been on a journey for the last year and a half on this path. And we've suddenly come to a conclusion that my husband did 15 days fasting. He did all the food things, he did the plant based eating, he did the detoxification. And here's what happened. Are you ready for another curveball?
0: Yeah, please. You you have looped left and right. You were like an auto, you're like a a master loop practitioner. Keep going.
1: (laughs) And one day we found ourselves husband was in pain on the floor. And he's like, he's got this excruciating pain laying on the on the floor.
0: Oh my gosh. We're
1: like, and I went, What's happening? He's like, something's happening. And I'm like, okay. Would you like me to call an ambulance? No, but I need to go to the hospital. I was like, okay. So I drove him to the hospital. Put him in hospital. Because of COVID, I wasn't allowed to stay. So I dropped my husband in severe pain at the hospital. And they did scans on him. We've, You know, put the dye in the sugar and stuff. And here's what happened. I can say this calmly without crying now because I've had time to integrate this, knowing what I know now, which we will get to that. Thank you. My husband rings me from his hospital bed and says, darling, 11.30 at night, by the way, we'd actually had our baby. So, um, you know, this is a, a year later. And he says, darling, I don't know how to tell you this. I went, tell me what, the tumour has grown. It's the size of an orange. It's blocked my bowel. They give me three days to live. I said, what the ah?" F- are you? And I said... What are we going to do in 3 days? 3 days to live they gave him. And I said, "But you took the herbs, you did the fasting, you did the fruit, you did the plant-based eating." Yeah. You did you did everything you were fucking told in the natural healing world.
0: Right, right.
1: What the hell? And we're just like, "It was there's that goddamn brick wall again." We're like, "You did everything right." And then they said, Oh, like the doctors were like, well, he's got three days to live, and you are like, okay. So Ben decides to leave the hospital. He checked himself out, and he, they're like, what are you doing? He goes, well, if I got three days to live, I'm not spending it in hospital. I'm going home with my wife and my kids, mm. and then husband come home, and then again he was in excruciating. Like that night, he came home. Oh, it was like midnight. I didn't clearly didn't sleep. We we're laying on the floor again, <laughs> we found ourselves in a unique position again. I'm like. Okay, we have 72 hours. What do you want to do? And we found ourselves, you know what? We don't want to do anything. We just want to, we actually liked our life. We'd found ourselves in such a peaceful state. Um, okay, we're not going to do anything. We're gonna, just going to hold each other and we're going to just be. Well, the entrepreneurial fun factor in me, I was like, three days to leave, huh? All right, let's just accept it. And I suppose that spiritual thing happened again where letting go and just accepting. Occurred, and it was like every loving thing just happened. I was like, okay. And he goes, "We'll see how I feel in the morning." I went, "All right." But all night we sat there talking with each other, each other. And at six o'clock in the morning, it was unbearable to watch the pain he was in. And we had a newborn who was only ten weeks old. Right. And we're like, "What are we going to do?" And he's like, "I I can't handle it. I can't handle." It. I said. Do you want me to take you to the hospital again? Because they said they can give him, like they can attempt a surgery again. They can attempt radiation. And I was like, well, you know, whatever. I was like, honey, just whatever you want, I'll do it. He's like, okay. He went back to hospital and they reassessed him and they said, we can put a stoma bag on you and that will release the pressure from all the, you know, I suppose, uh, waste, we'll call it, backing up that was going to kill him. He was literally going to die in his own shit. What a way to die, huh? Yeah, my and gosh. Then, so he, they put the stoma bag on. He went into surgery. Um, they didn't know he was going to come out of it. So I said, you know, goodbyes there and then. Um, I was like, okay, because his body was quite frail at this point. They did his stoma operation. He flatlined three times in the operation. And I was like, because I was actually in the room with the screen, watching his recovery on the screen, his heartbeat and stuff. And he flatlined three times. And I was like... Oh, my God, he's not even going to come out of this. Holy shit. Um, but they did warn us. And I was like, okay. But he did. He come out of it. I saw him, and now he's got this stoma bag thing on. He was in hospital for a week, and here's what happened. That week in hospital, uh, the, that next day, we found ourselves in a pretty unique position. We had found ourselves, especially me, I was like, all right, doctors, the ones I hated but or the ones we didn't like, were like, like, yeah. do we found ourselves in complete acceptance. I said, I let go of everything, the anger, the hate, the frustration, because what I feared the most was him dying. I was like, fear of death. It, was, it brought it to the fear of death. And if I can find peace in the fear of death, and if my husband found peace in the fear of death, we actually found peace. So here's what happened. The discussion then was, okay, we let everything go. I said, all right, doctors, do whatever you can to save him because I was his power of attorney and I, you know, husband was like, babe, I want to spend every living moment I can. And if I have to take chemotherapy, if I have to take radiation, if I have to do surgery, I'll do it. I just want to spend the next minutes and as much as I can with you and our baby. I went, okay, I'll support your decision. Now this is a man who had to swallow a lot of pride and we'd been very evident on social media. No chemo, no radiation. We were doctor bashing.
0: (laughs) Right, right.
1: We suddenly had to swallow our pride, our embarrassment, and shame and admit, okay, we're at that point. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we did. We accepted it. And then we spoke to the doctors, and Ben was like, yep, I'm ready to do it. So I went home. And then I don't know what Ben did in the hospital that night, but the next day I went up there. I had a profound experience at home. And I was like, this is his core value. He always said to me, no matter what, don't let them put that chemotherapy in my body. And that was what was ringing in my ears. And I'm like, okay. And then I'd had a few trans channel experiences, I suppose. And I started, Ben was like, why don't you do that that thing that you do? Like start experimenting with this stuff. Like what what do your guides say? Or what does that spiritual thing say? And I was like, I don't know. I I was thinking I was crazy and a freak. And I'm like, I was like, I'm not good at this. I'm not any of that. And Ben was like, why don't you talk, like why don't you talk to the tumor or something? I was like, what do you mean talk to the tumor? And I was like, I don't know. He goes, scan my body. And I went, what do you mean? Like I was practicing my body scanning. I suppose it was like, now I look at it, it was like energy scanning. I had no idea what I was doing. He goes, I don't know. Why don't you just do that? So in the hospital, I sat there and I did it. I don't know. It must've been like a vibrational shift or something. And then all of a sudden he found himself when the doctors had come back in, he's like, I don't want chemotherapy anymore. And they're like, oh my God, are you serious? So then we had meetings after meeting because we had to sign a lot of documents. We call it the gauntlet of fear. The head, like the head chemo man flew down from Sydney to have a meeting with us. Right. Where. We're in this meeting and they're like, do you realise the consequences? Do you realise that this chemotherapy stuff can help give you a lifespan of up to five years? And I looked and I was like, what I did was took my own power back as a woman and not let a degree and a fellow, he is probably a very highly intelligent human being and I give him that respect. I also gave respect to myself that I'm not going to allow someone to think they're smarter or better than me just because they know an area. Give me 10 years doing chemotherapy and, you know, university degrees. And I bet you I'm at the same level It's just what you want to put your focus into. But in that moment, I decided to walk in that room and present myself as a self-empowered human because they were trying to get me to change my mind because my husband was like, you got to talk to the wife, man. Hmm. And they're like, Hmm. oh, this will be easy. So I walk in there and I I was breastfeeding my baby because he needed to be fed. But the doctor couldn't give me eye contact. And I was like, I don't know what's going on here. He couldn't look at me or anything. So it must have been an energetic field, I'm now understanding, that he he didn't allow in my field. And I said, can you explain to me in great detail with all your intelligence how this is going to save my husband for him to live? We can't guarantee that. I said, well, what's the point having it? And he's like, well, it can do this. And I said, it only gives five years. Am I gonna settle for five years? No. What else do you have? And we're like, he's like, well, you know, it can give you five years. At the moment, he gets like seventy-two hours. And we're like, well, if you can only give me five years, we—that's kind of short change in life. Like, I want a hundred or more. Because if we settled for five years, we shortchanged the infinite that we are. Like, I was like, okay. And then what happened after that interview? We then had to sign a lot of forms. And we literally stepped into our own power and we walked out of that hospital as a united front because there were people coming to me saying, your husband's not saving himself. He's like being selfish. He's this, he's not looking out for you. He's not looking out for your children, you know? And I hated him for it. Like in the, in the beginning, I was so angry. He had cancer. And if you want to go back to perception is projection something come over to over me and I was like, hang on a minute, if he has cancer and he's a projection of me, what anger am I deeply unconsciously suppressing that needs to get out? And suddenly everything changed and I looked at it no longer as he had a problem, I looked at it as, hang on, there's something more here and we became a united front. So we united together and we both got on the same train because he was on the alternate medicine he was on the cancer train i was on the carers train i i was pregnant i di- i went through my pregnancy feeling like it was overshadowed by cancer because you have cancer you're more important people loved you more or they cared for you more because you now you know there's something wrong with you and people can relate to that because in the world that we're programmed if there's something wrong with you, it's like the hero's journey almost. Um, and even that has some flaws in it that, you know, you've got to rise above from having something wrong with you. Yeah. And unconsciously you will create something wrong with you so you can rise up again. And I was like, this is a pretty shitty way to get some significance here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was observing from such a profound level of all the attention went on Ben because he had cancer And I was like, "Hang on a minute! I'm here having a baby, going to these baby appointments. By my, I gave birth by myself." And I was like, "Hang on a minute! I also went. You know what? I'm important too. I'm just as important, even though I don't have cancer." And I found there were no strategies, no one to talk to from a carer's perspective. I suffered. I suppose is a word. (laughs) The brunt of Ben's anger, his fears, his everything. I copped it all that no one saw. I wrote it all down in a book. I was journaling. And I was like, I found myself having no one to talk to. And I was like, and I stepped up and I said to Ben, I'm just as important as you. I was like, I don't have to have cancer to be important. (laughs) And we're like, okay. And then I decided, you know what, honey? I don't even believe you have cancer. I'm not going to believe you have it. And I'm going to pretend you don't because I can't live like this. I can't live at the thought of you dying. So I just pretended he didn't have it. And that was a core decision. And then Ben was like, yeah, let's do that. So we did. And then we're like, well, let's go make some memories. Um, We went on a camping trip. We packed the car and decided to go on a memories trip and make a photo album for the kids. Remember, I said, well, what memories do you want to make? And in a decision earlier on last year when we said what memories and what do you want? the kids to remember you by from ben's side of the story he felt insignificant well he was a nothing well there's nothing that the kids can remember me by and we're like okay fast track 12 months ben documented his protocols his natural therapy every step he took um we i also wrote everything down and then he wrote a book and that was healing life with cancer and because i'd already written one book i'd already spoken to a publisher I rang the publisher and I said, look, my husband has cancer. He's got this, you know, they've given him this long to live. I want him to get his book out as a gift to his children. So we fast tracked it and we're like, okay. So then I said, Ben, I've lined up, you know, uh, a call with this guy, a publisher, and then that's where the book publishing started to come in. But what I found shift in Ben was the creation process where he was now creating a book. Hmm. And when he started to do that, he's m- more like his morale started to lift, he started to be happier. We went on a two month camping trip, gallivanting Australia in COVID, by the way. We pretended COVID didn't exist as well. And we're like, if we don't focus on the news and what people are telling us and all this other stuff that goes in our mind, if we, Laser focus our environment to only what we want to be and see, be mindful of the bigger things that are happening in the world, but not focus on them. You can become anything you want because you're not allowing that fear to feed you. And that fear of cancer and the cancer world and that gauntlet we were facing all the time, we were just hit by fear, fear, fear. Right. And we're like, you know what, hon, we just got to turn it into love. We just got to turn it into love. And we decided on this two-month camping trip, cancer and, you know, the last year and a half, because this is how new it is, like just the last year and a half, we found we've had the most fun in the last year and a half since him having cancer than the last 40 years of our life, or 35 in his case. Why is it that we have found the last year more fun, more liberating, more experiences? more magical mystical enjoyment than before we had cancer
0: yeah i just want to know why you're in a tent
1: i'll give you that too because (laughs) they are on a book tour
0: no no i am like yeah i mean clearly going from like being in a hospital to like sitting in a tent and doing this interview is uh quite a jump um yeah why why and and what is going on with him right now I need to, I mean, I'm sure the story is going to lead me there, but like, that's what my brain is racing towards.
1: So like I said, you got given 72 hours. That was six months ago. Now we're sitting here in in a tent in the middle of the Gold Coast on a book tour because our two month camping trip to make a photo memory album for the kids was so elaborating and so magical that Channel 7, like the news, and our Facebook, we got a following, People were inspired that we had a new perspective on cancer. So we started to become a bit famous along the coast. And then Isha messaged Ben, wanting to interview her, uh, us. Uh, Isha messaged Ben saying, I want to interview you guys. And we're like, okay, this is cool. And then we met Isha.
0: Yeah. For for my listeners, Isha Patel, who was on an earlier episode, the uh, multidimensional awakening coach.
1: So she interviewed us. And we're like, this chick's cool, multi-dimensional. Oh my god, and energetic fields, and origin activation. And and when she was interviewing us, she said, "What about the emotional side of things? Like, have you spoken to the energy of what it wants?" Ben and I looked at each other, going, "What? <laughs> yeah. What do you mean, what it wants?" <clears throat> well, everything's energy, right? You just got to ask the energy what it wants. And we're like, "No, we haven't done that." <clears throat> and she goes do you mind if we do like a little origin activation session? And we're like, no, this is really cool. Anyway, we did this amazing interview with Isha and then Ben had this experience with energy. And we're like, so um, Ben was stage three at this point with the stoner bag when we did the interview. And then we discovered energy healing. And, you know, she spoke about all the amazing stuff she did. And we're like, oh, my God, this is a whole new world of galacticness and multidimensional stuff. And then she was telling us about the 13 dimensions and we're like, this is some pretty cool shit. Oh, my God. So we're like, that opened us up to another clearly <laughs> realm of infinite. And then Ben had this phenomenal experience with this origin activation that she did in, in our interview. And Ben was like, Christy, I felt this. Energy stuff happen, and then he's like, "I felt a big shift," and I, and then like Ben had a physical experience of like stuff happening, and I'm like, "Oh my god, really?" And then what happened? Um, we became friends with Isha on Facebook, and you know how the story goes. We're now connected with Isha and her amazingness. That we decided that she had this two day awakening event, and then I went to that two day awakening event with the husband. Um, And I was like, we need to work with her. We're like, well, we've done NLP. We've done the the friggin' personal development road. We've been on this journey for a year and a half. We've done the natural therapies. We've done all of this. If it's energy and she's this multidimensional, amazing expert. And if it's energy and understanding what it is, hey, we're up for that. (laughs) Yeah. We signed up. We signed up to Isha's Origin Activation Training. So we're now her students. And. On the Monday after this two-day weekend, so it was Saturday, Sunday, we did her two-day weekend. On Monday, we were waiting the results of Ben's scan to see if all this natural therapy that he'd been doing was working. So we drove home. That's when he got told he had stage four metastases to the liver. We're like, what? It's still not making sense. Mm. Now it's in the liver? And the doctor said, We can't give you a time now. Go home to your family. Get your affairs in order. There's nothing more we can do. There's no more surgery. There's no more. There's nothing we can do for you now. And that's when I brought you back before we started recording. And in that moment, when Ben came home and told me he had stage four, I suddenly found myself in, you know, that experience where I was, I left my body. This is that spiritual experience, I suppose you would say. I left my body, went off to the, you know, a cliff face, standing on the edge of a cliff, looking out of the universe, and I hear the voice, you're now at the point of creation. And I'm like, stage five. And I'm like, Mm. from the fifth dimension. And I'm like, what? You've got to jump. Like, you're now at the point of creation. We let go of doctors and natural people, of anyone trying to help us. Like, we let go of the surgeons, the doctors. We're now on our own. We suddenly found ourselves on our own. It was stage five, the point of creation. When we let go that someone else was trying to fix us, and Isha has been teaching us, we are already whole. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just energy that needs to be released and moved. And if we start, and especially me and especially Ben, start looking at ourselves of we are already whole, you know. Go into the love of already seeing that wholeness and raise your vibration and your frequency. And if a low vibration of, of is like cancer, disease and illness, then the most profound thing is and logical and most sensible thing that makes sense is, well, hang on a minute. Well, if you just raise your raise your vibration and love it and love is the highest vibration there is from the inner heart, well, wouldn't that naturally just go away? You wouldn't have to do anything. Right. You just have to love it and know that you're already whole. Cancer is not a problem. It's not a disease. It's not anything. It's just an energy that wants to be heard. It wants to be acknowledged, just like a child wants to be seen, heard and played with. A child wants to be played. You just have to put your energy into what it wants and go, okay, what am I missing here? So if cancer is from an emotional core of anger, then what's the transcendence of anger? Love. What's the opposite of fear? Love. Where does love come from? The inner heart. And how do you discover what's in the inner heart? Meditation. How do you discover the meditation? Because we were unaware of this we found Isha, our spiritual guidance energetic healer multidimensional amazing who's teaching us meditation we hadn't done meditation we didn't know that you know something as simple as meditation and finding what is in your our own inner heart and having that resonate and just doing that and radiate that 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 vibrational high vibrational love space there's no cure to cancer because cancer doesn't exist
0: what wait a minute that is the most controversial moment of this interview cancer doesn't exist what do you mean by that
1: so if you believe this is what i've been telling my husband from a fifth dimensional love space right yeah who decided it was cancer Who decided it was a disease? Who decided we have to fear this thing? Who decided we should annihilate it with toxicity and anger and destruction? Who decided all that? Who decided it was called cancer? And who decided that we should respond with fear with it? Cancer is a buildup of cells from acidosis, right? And if cancer came from source energy which is infinite love. And Isha says, and as we've come to learn, it can go back to source. If it's just source energy love, then cancer, as we've been programmed and conditioned to know it doesn't exist.
0: Do you think this works for everybody?
1: I have a profound understanding of my own experience. This may not work for everybody, but if we can open our hearts to the possibilities that if we can love, Cancer, as much as we can, paradoxically, it will transcend itself and will return to where it came from.
0: Oh, oh, oh! Now wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you getting regular uh tests? Is your husband getting tested regularly? Like, where is he at now with it? With the, uh How do you know how he's doing? Or does that not even matter to you?
1: So. We've been working with Isha. So we decided to uh, sell our house and pay to work one-on-one with Isha. So Ben's working energetically with Isha. And in three months' time at Christmas, we're going to get a scan and we're going to see how that works. But, and so we will then have tangible evidence. Um, but we're not curing cancer. We're loving it. Oh. We're just loving it. We're channeling in, I suppose, to understanding frequency and vibration and energy. And if everything is all energy and you have to rise your vibration, that means changing your environment. We're now surrounded by higher vibrational beings and people and things. And I'm speaking to you. So just me talking to you is I'm having energetically shifts doing this. So it's raising my vibration just doing this. It's giving more perspective on something that is normally feared. Our message to the universe is we are traveling Australia with our books, which have created stage five as a therapy tool, and we're transcending the fear of cancer into love.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely been beyond three days, which is uh, uh, remarkable. Um, yeah. You're given 72 hours. I mean, you know, I and and, and I do want to make sure that um, just, you know, the danger, well, I'm trying to think here. I'm trying to like (laughs) my rational mind is always going like, wow, I'm trying to imagine what a non-spiritual person would say. And what I imagine someone that like is all wrapped up in science and evidence might say is, well, look, uh, yeah, sure, but like what if, what if it is just probability and I should have done chemo and, you know, or, or my, my partner should have done chemo and yeah, that works for this Christie, but like, we don't, we don't have time to spend like looking at the other things. Like, what would you say to that person?
1: You brought up a very valid thing. Time. We, if you're alive, you have time. What do you mean? So Ben and I decided together that if we if he's alive you have time you have time to stop and think and to bring it to a more tangible analytical three-dimensional physical thing my book stage five talks about the fear of death it talks about people in sudden trauma I actually talk about the carer's perspective okay what if someone suddenly gets diagnosed with cancer what are they going to do oh my god We have to do this. It's gonna save their life. You know what? You're absolutely right. So here's where you can only decide for yourself. This journey is that Ben and I are on may not be for everyone. The journey, the person, the individual decides themselves is the perfect journey for them.
0: So you are not recommending. You're not recommending like just love it, don't do it.
1: Shit, no, I'm not telling anyone, don't do anything. The only thing we are doing is sharing our own personal experience that by us loving what we're doing, loving cancer, loving Ben, loving our children, loving our journey, love writing books, love drinking a cup of tea, putting love into everything, understanding energy, loving the part that we get to decide Choice. Yeah. We love the ability to make our own choice. And that's all we're doing. Now, choice is the paramount for any sustainable thing to occur. I can't tell someone to eat a plant based diet to lose weight. You're going to be skinny. They may go, All right, I'm eating a plant based diet. I'm still fat. I'm like, Okay, then. Well, there must be something else to it. You can eat whatever they recommend for 90 days and you will definitely lose weight. How sustainable is it? Mm, right. The most sustainable thing we've got to do is simplicity and it's to slow down, get out of the rat race, the matrix they talk about, you know, everyone's in a job nine to five. Fucking paying bills, running around for kids in every goddamn sport known to humankind, paying off their house, living in a shit tonne of debt, keeping up with the Joneses, buying all the societal shit that they think is important. Ben and I decided together we let go of all materialistic stuff. We let go of all preconceived ideas. We let go of the conditioning of society. Now, I'm going to be pushing people... Triggering people going, she's a this chick's crazy, and you know what? <laughs> I am, I am crazy. I mean, you're in a tent, but,
0: um, but yes, keep going. Yes, you're a mother but in a tent what,
1: <laughs> with three children waiting to get our <laughs> caravan. But what's more crazy <laughs> than living, thinking, and living in a space where I think my husband's going to die? That's crazier because oh, I'm not a good mother.
0: Interesting.
1: I can't. I can't sit here and ponder every day I wake up, is today the day my husband dies? Is today the day that my children don't have a father? Is today the day I now have to plan the funeral? Is today the day that I'm going to look at my husband for the last time? Is today the day the last time that's the last word I get to say to him? Is today the last day? I am refusing to think that way because that harmed my ability to live life happy. And ultimately, we just want love, peace and harmony, right? And happiness. Yeah. I had to filter what would make me happy. And when I got shown the fifth dimensional inner heart space, I suppose, as the point of creation, I decided that moment my point of creation was I'm not going to accept that. And I'm choosing to create life with my husband and family like it doesn't exist
0: wow hey i want to ask you something about that very specifically because you know um when when i was studying acting in college uh one of the things that i had a teacher talk about was that when you are doing a scene with someone you're supposed to live in the present and what happens is you're never going to be 100 percent there like when you're doing yep. a scene, you're going to you're going to start getting in your head and and it's a reality. And the second you start accepting that you might get in your head, all you then need to do, as opposed to resisting getting in your head, is just look for the thing to get you back to presence. So here's what yep. I wonder with this, even yep. though you love cancer and even though you're there and coming from a higher vibration, I I would just go, and again, this this just might 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 be rational, Greg coming in here, going, like, how does this work? Like, I would imagine there are times when you're like, I love this, I love it, I love you, I love everything going on, love, love, love. And then the voice creeps in. Like, yeah. and what it if does. the love's not there? In that case, how do you navigate that so that is as loved? completely squashed the voice or how do you do you forgive yourself like what do you do with the doubt if and when it shows up like you just
1: said excellent question because i actually have a tangible response for that it's called stage five carer's guide to thriving cancer when i found myself in that moment of doubt when stage four hit and i went well he's gonna die now fuck two days later. I found myself with a pen and a computer and I went through the emotion of that doubt. I acknowledged it. I sat there and I wrote it all down. It poured out of my heart. I cried while I wrote that book. I went through the doubt. I went through the hate. I went through the anger and I poured it into the book and put myself in the reader perspective because all I wanted and wished I had someone that made me feel heard and nurtured and I accepted the doubt and I went, okay, this is what's going to happen. So I put it into words because understanding energy, it needed to be released. It physically had to come out. You can't ignore it. It just, otherwise I would end up with fucking cancer myself from suppressing the tornado. Right.
0: Right. So
1: my, so my energy And when people read the words of stage five, you will see the pain I was in. You will see the suffering I incurred in that moment. You will experience how I transcended it in that moment. To then, at the end of seven days, it took me to release this energy. It took me a week to comprehend and bring that doubt back to a love centered space because it was profound. And in writing, in writing all of that, I found myself loving also the doubt. I found myself loving the, the, the fear actually triggered I need to know more here. And I was like, this love stuff just is a bit too much for me. Yeah. Um, and, and I was like, we mean love? But what I found was clarity. Clarity actually disintegrates fear.
0: Oh, and that like, is a new reframe. Do you think clarity and love are of the same frequency or even synonymous? Like, what? How does it relate to love? Clarity.
1: Clarity, I find, is in my own personal experience. Clarity linked <laughs> an understanding of calmness. In by mm. turn is love.
0: Oh, whoa, whoa! This is cool stuff wow 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 wait a sec this is so cool christy okay so wait a minute you wrote this book healing cancer or healing life with cancer with you co-authored yeah. it with your husband ben um yeah. you also have adapt and overcome the defiant victim um and then is is this the one you channeled that the carer's guide to thriving cancer diagnosis stage five is that the one we were just talking That's about
1: That's the one I channeled. Yep. Wow. Yep. Wow, channeled. Wow, wow, wow. Wow. I ch- I channeled the whole lot of that one.
0: That's awesome. What are people gonna like get from I mean, where should people start with your books? Like how do people go through the Christie Huggins trilogy?
1: Uh you go to energycenter.com.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, but I I mean, how did it like what order should they go in? Like is this like Star Wars where you start with episode So here's
1: the thing. Or... <laughs> right So you start with actually when I wrote that book as a therapy tool, because I wrote that book in stage five. I wrote that book in the moment. And I realized at the end of it, just recently, when Ben's book Healing Life with Cancer was actually why we're doing the book tour. And when I wrote this one, we then went out to our book tour is called Healing Life with Cancer stage five. I went, holy shit, hun! they just sequeled themselves. So now we're going to sell them as a pair.
0: Oh, yeah, it sounds to- like it. You should.
1: (laughs) Now, here's the thing. The trilogy, how you would go about it is you would get Ben's book first, Healing Life with Cancer, because if someone has cancer, if they're the one with the actual diagnosis, I would buy Ben's book. Got it. If If you're the carer or the loved one who doesn't have it, you would buy my book. And here's the funny part. You would then give my book to the person who has the cancer. You would then give the book who the person who had the cancer to the carer, because they actually coincide as a unity together.
0: Interesting. Interesting. We didn't.
1: We didn't know it at the time. <laughs> we didn't know it at the time. We just did it, and we're like, oh my god, it's one of the same. Holy shit.
0: That's so interesting. Um, yeah. Wait. Do you, so, so to get back to something earlier, does your do your repressed emotions actually cause the
1: wind in the sky? Suppression of emotions that are unexpressed and internalized, and will then start to cause a chemical of acidosis within the body, which is a buildup of you know um, chemicals, which can start to disintegrate the cellular structure of a human. So unexpressed emotions can cause or cause disease and illness. They must be expressed. So unexpressed anger, unexpressed fear, sadness, hurt or guilt, anything that isn't expressed emotionally as well or energetically. Yes, it can cause illness and disease.
0: But (laughs) okay, so so wait, you are speaking metaphorically because I'm wondering how much of a shaman you are though you might actually yeah oh
1: shaman, shaman. i haven't heard anyone call me that before that's pretty cool
0: <laughs> are you an elementalist like like do you imagine like do you see the? does the weatherman come on and you're like yep i had some unexpressed emotions it's going to be a rainy weekend like that doesn't happen for you does it
1: <laughs> oh so you're referring to when the wind so yes <laughs> i look around and the elements you know wind fire earth water
0: yeah are yeah, you in so- control of those you think?
1: Shit. no.
0: Or not even in control. I know that's a tough word. That's a tough word. Um because it could
1: I'm set. in observation.
0: Ah. Interesting. Interesting. I'm just wondering how fringe you go, Christy. Um, Well, but, but, you know, I mean, like what you're saying is it's actually not like, yeah, you talked about your spiritual journey and you've talked about uh, meditation and connecting and, 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 and perceiving that in like, you know, Isha, um, I did her, (laughs) she, she invited me to, I won a contest to do like the free uh, awakening seminar. She did uh, the virtual Um. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? The thing she was talking about her bit business, vibrational business, and asking your business what it wants from you, asking the cancer what it what the energy of your business, what it's like. That stuff to me resonates. Um. I'm wondering what is atmospheric healing stage five.
1: So, with that same profound question, I've actually put Isha in my acknowledgments of this book because. I literally every day asked the chap- each chapter, the energy I was feeling that day, what do you want from me? And that became the chapter. And then I had a dream while I was in this week, right? Come back from Isha and now I'm having dreams. And then they're like, atmospheric healing. This atmospheric healing goes into depth in my book, Stage 5. And I was like, the fuck is atmospheric healing? Anyway, so I got up. Yeah. And you know what I did? I sat there and I asked the energy of Atmospheric Healing, what do you want from me? <laughs>
0: yeah. Wow.
1: So I did. I channeled that into one of the chapters in my book. And are you ready for it?
0: Yeah, tell me. I'll
1: hi- I'll high chunk it and then I will, I will macro scale it and bring it back to a micro. Are you ready? I'm ready for this. Okay. Atmospheric Healing brought me to the atmosphere of Mother Earth. I wasn't thinking big enough, right? So they took me out to Mother Earth. I was on the outer layers of earth. Like there's five layers of the ozone layer, right? And the atmosphere and the sun and the energy and radiation. And I was like, well, what the hell has this got to do with me? And then I was like, all right, so the sun, you got the sun and it's radiation and the ozone layer. And the energy from the sun is what helps everything on earth grow, right?
0: Right, You know, right. Sun,
1: sun, plants, earth, everything you see, the sun, Solar, it, let's go so, like solar. You put solar panels out, it absorbs all the energy from the sun, right? You've got power. <laughs> yeah. Right? Simple, right? So I was like, okay, atmospherically, I understand that, but what the hell's the ozone layer got to do with me? Then I started to chunk down to more of a micro level. Well, radiation from the sun, if the ozone layer is there, this is why the purpose of the ozone layer is there to protect the sun's radiation as filters so we as humans can roam around the earth and plants and things can grow so the ozone layer diffuses the the high rate radiational level of energy the sun generates so we can happily live here on earth right so if we deplete the ozone layer by doing destructive things to the earth the only thing we're doing is destructing the ozone layer which is the filters the sun's radiational and energy is going to come through that stronger and stronger and stronger, you're going to end human life, right? If you don't right. stop harming mother earth, you've got to start nurturing. And I'm like, oh my God, well, what the hell is harming mother earth? And I was like, oh my God, this rabbit hole is getting deep. Yeah. And I was like, where am I going with this? And I was like, then you have big industries, you have mining, you have drilling, you have, you. Have, and, and mind you, while I'm writing this in the book, I'm just like, this is not happening, this is not happening. Yes, it is, yes, it is. Oh, my God, what am I discovering? I started to feel for Mother Earth. Mother Earth started talking to me. Gaia was reaching out to me in my dream saying, help me. And I'm like, oh, my wow. God, okay. And then it brought, and I was like, well, I can't save this earth by myself. I can't fix the friggin' ozone layer. And then I had another dream. And atmospheric healing brings it down to the most microscopic level of an atom. It's one of the same. An atom then goes into the cell, a cell into blah, blah, blah. And you know, then you've got cells of the human body. Cells are in plants. Cells are in living organisms. And I was like, holy shit, where's this going? Then it started to go on a microscopic level to the human nervous system, to the amygdala, to the indoctrine system, to the friggin' systems of the human being. And then I was like, okay. And then it went to the foods we eat, the environments we find ourselves in, who we surround ourselves with, what we feed our minds by visions, media, people things and I'm like what is going on here so atmospheric healing goes on a macro level to helping mother earth and brings it back down to a micro level of an atom of a human cell and as a human cell we have the creation to create an environment that we see that serves us to the highest good of humanity and infinite other dimensions From living in a heart centered space. But if we find ourselves disconnected from source energy or spirit, it comes in the form of illness. And illness is an awakening of a disconnection from Mother Earth. And if we reconnect ourselves through the heart space and reconnect ourselves to Gaia, the Mother Earth, and find what makes our human cell thrive and energetically evolve that one step at a time, imagine living in a fifth dimensional reality of a heart-centered space if people are just aware of this. And if at first they get triggered and have knee-jerk reactions of this chick is absolutely crazy, she's (laughs) off the chart, I'm okay with that. But they didn't know that this could be a possibility if they've only ever seen fear. If I don't step into my power and the dreams that I've been shown and acknowledge that another non-physical, higher, dimensional, higher self of something is bigger at play here, then I'm not doing my piece on this incarnation. I actually have to step into courage. I have to step into this and open my voice and this is what I'm doing and I was like as much as it scares me I must transcend that because in my dreams in the energy and in the feeling that this creates it is undeniable the knowing that this is a possibility and it is a reality and the veils of media and matrix and shit has The layers have been unfolding, and the the higher I've been raising my vibration, the clearer I can see. And I was like, what have I just stepped into? And what did I just channel? And what did I just create? And then I realized that the human body is a vehicle for source energy to come through us as a creation process. All I have to do is align with that frequency of whatever it wants and be the vessel to 3D i suppose the physical tangible self to be the hands to create it um so,
0: wow yep. i feel like i just uh, was this your answer to uh, who is Christy Huggins? <laughs> yeah,
1: pretty
0: much. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I knew who
1: is was Christy Huggins. I suppose, yeah. Was
0: that this whole, like, the last two hours? I feel like you just took me on this wild journey. First of all, I think you need to go back to the hair salon with this
1: <laughs> perspective
0: right now. Like, these ladies thought you were helping with therapeutic issues. What's going on with their man? Like, you got to be cutting hair talking about this. Like... <laughs> that's how you're gonna heal stuff um now Christy look I really appreciate you sharing your perspective um this was pretty this is a lot. I feel like I'm gonna have to listen to this again because like <laughs> either unconsciously you were just taking me through trance processes or not or you just are having unconscious competence and you know you 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 are so good at you know skilled at this that uh you know I I don't know I feel like I transformed. I was enlightened. I, I felt emotional. <laughs> I felt love. Um, I, I think it's awesome what you're doing and is the best way. I, I know your books are available on Amazon. Um, where else can people find your information? You mentioned your website earlier, right? NRG center spelled R E.com. The NRG center. Yes. Um, but what? where else uh, can people learn about your work and, Everything going on with you.
1: So as you say, we're at the beginning. So we just have the three letters, energy center, like N-R-G, and then C E N T R E dot com. So energycenter.com. And then that's pretty much all we have. <laughs> all our Facebook. We're not really like out there, I suppose, with all other websites. That's the only thing we have. We don't have a website yet. We only have the energycenter.com. We have our personal Facebook pages. They can inbox us. Are there other,
0: are there other um, tents out there? Like if people wanted to hang out by the tent, what, which one would they go to?
1: So with the tent, uh, <laughs> traveling around, uh, we have a Facebook group called Lap the Map Healing Life with Cancer Stage 5. Oh, um, oh. They can become a part of that group, and they will know which location we will be at, and we invite people to come see us. Um, are we people are doing hanging out webinar. with you
0: in the tent? People are coming in the tent?
1: Yeah, so here's what's going to happen with the tent. Are you ready? Yeah. Well, because when you understand and I'm still learning how to understand energy, actually, there's not even a thing of learning. I'm embracing the understanding of energy. So I channeled the energy of a fifth, like, I was like, well, you know, I want to live in a fifth wheeler. I want to have a big truck. And I was like, so hang on a minute. If we can just channel and, and ask the energy what it wants, I've started adapting this to everything in my life. What does the, energy like, have you heard of Dodge Ram? Like the company Dodge Ram? Yeah. So I've actually asked Dodge Ram, the vehicle, what it wants and what frequency and vibration I need to be at to manifest that in my life. So it told me this is going to sound, okay, here's where the loopy shit's going to start sounding
0: funny. (laughs) Now it's going to start. Okay. Keep going.
1: Okay. So the loopy shit is I asked the energy of the Dodge Ram what it wanted and I wrote it down. I put myself into the metal, the seats and became the energy of the Dodge Ram and I wrote it all down so I can frequency upgrade myself and become a vibrational match to have that physically manifest in our life. What does it want?
0: Are you allowed to say?
1: Well, yeah, um, it it wants to be noticed but it needs to know that nothing stands in its way. There may be rocky roads, there may be smooth roads, but here's the thing with the Dodge Ram. Everything moves away and allows it to come through because it is such a high vibration that people will hear it coming first before they see it. And I was like, oh my God. And we don't actually have to put much energy into people looking or becoming attention seeking because people will notice it because it's so big. And its energy will vibrate out that people will just go, I'm sensing something cool here. And they'll look around and there it is. So it wants us to step into the part where we, no matter the road that we're on, just keep going because it doesn't vary. It's just smooth sailing. And we're like, Can you do this for other
0: cars? Can you do this for other views? You
1: can do it for anything. Yeah, I did it for our Mercedes Benz. (laughs) Did the Mercedes Benz want
0: something different?
1: Yeah, so I channeled. I like, we needed to work with Isha one-on-one, right? So we needed to manifest the, um, some money. And we was, I was like, okay, I was selling the Mercedes, like we were selling the Mercedes Benz for some, for some money. And this is real life. This actually happened. Um, and we put it on the, the Facebook site to sell it and nothing was happening. Anyway, and then Ben goes, do the Isha thing and channel the energy of the Mercedes and ask what it wanted. I've told each of this story, by the way. So I did. I went, oh, my God, I feel like an idiot. So what I did, I went outside. I sat in the front driveway of our house, put my hand on the symbol of the Mercedes Benz, and I sat there and I was like, okay, what do you want from me? And holy shit, I was like, all right then. And I went in and then I channeled and wrote down everything it wanted. And Mm. I shit you not, in one hour it sold and we had – our first payment for Isha in cash of eight thousand dollars.
0: Wow. Wow, 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 like, wow, wow, wow,
1: And not only that, I then went one step further. I went, okay, if it worked for the Mercedes, Ben goes, Well, we're selling our house. Christy, do the thing with the house. And I went, Let's channel the energy of what the house wants. So we did. We sold it a week later.
0: That is and I was like fascinating.
1: Oh. And then I was like, Oh my God, this is insane. All right. So now what? Let's channel the energy. And we're like, okay, well, why don't we do some sponsorship? So we're reaching out to, we reached out to Dodge Ram to spon- help sponsor us because these are like 120, 112,000 Australian dollars to buy, right? So I was like, well, money's just frequency and a vibration as well. So If we can match the vibration of that and, you know, money's an an energy transfer, which we're being shown all this, being in origin activation. This is all origin activation, right? Where I'm new to this like anybody else, I'm just implementing. And I was like, this is really cool. So then I decided to ask the energy of the fifth wheeler what it wanted. Like we asked our trip our book tour what this is the energy of healing life with cancer stage 5 book tour what do you want from us so it told us and we're like holy shit so now i'm just embracing everything that's coming through and i'm writing all this down mind you that'll be just fyi this will be book number 4 <laughs> um uh, we don't know what we're going to call it but everything i've been doing i'm writing down and then as it manifests i'm like this is crazy i'm laughing at myself
0: wow this is that people should bring you the car dealerships.
1: I know Ben's like, <laughs> I'm like, actually funny that we had a When you say car dealerships, we had a mechanic, right? There was, we had a, um, a Toyota Prado. We still do. And then Ben's like, we had it in the mechanics for like a month and the mechanic couldn't find it. Couldn't find what was wrong with our car. And then wow. Ben's like, why don't you ask the energy of the car? What's wrong with it? I was like, okay, it didn't just, I asked the energy of the car what it wanted. It didn't just tell me what it wanted. It showed me the piece that was wrong with it. So I took this information to the mechanic and I I really did this. I know this is crazy. This is ridiculous, but I did it. I went to the mechanic. I said to, I said to him, I won't say his name. I said to blah, blah. I said, are you open to dreams? I was trying to think about the most non-crazy, ridiculous way of saying what just happened to him. And I said, this is how I could probably relate it to. I said, I had a dream. And are you open to dreams? I said, I don't know mechanical cars. Mind you, I don't. I said, but in my dream, it showed me this piece of the, of the engine. And I had a tangible photo because I got on Google after this to try and find a mechanical piece that, The vision was so profound in my mind. I was like, I don't know engines, but I know what I saw. If I went to a mechanic and explained what I saw with this picture, maybe it could understand. So I took this picture and I took it to the mechanic and I said, this is what it showed. My Mind you, I didn't tell my channel the energy. I just said, this is what my dream showed me. And he laughed at me like a dickhead. And he goes, it's not that. He goes, I don't know what it is, but it's not that. Because I've spent a month on this and can't find anything, you can't just have a dream and then it's be that. I was like, oh shit, I'm sorry. I realized I may have upset his intelligence somehow. Um, but what it was was a, something in the piston in motor thingy or whatever, which was a knocking sense of two things that just needs to be cleaned out, realigned, and it would happen. I was like. He goes, I can't fix that. It's going to cost you this much money. And I was like, Oh, okay then. So we just left the car as it is. We now know what's wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. And spiritually it was just a tapping sound, which was spirit knocking at our door going, I was like, Oh my God, this is just ridiculous. I sound like a crazy person. (laughs) And then like, um, and I did, I took it to mechanic and I realized that my excitement isn't openly received. (laughs) So I've, kept it to my this is the first time I'm really openly speaking about this stuff by the way and thank you for embracing this and Ben's like you need to tell everyone about this stuff and I was like they just need to do origin activation really because I'm learning how to harness my energy and bring it down because I'm so far up with the fairies so to speak that Isha is helping me ground my energy (laughs) um and experience because some profound things are happening but like you say how does a person, a human do this and experience this and create this? And, you know, because our realities are real and they are, they are very real. And we have to acknowledge that we grounding. We yeah. have to, we have to ground it. And that's where the magic happens.
0: Oh, so, wow. 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 This is now, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like this is, um, <laughs> this has been profound. Uh, in many ways, again, I'm going to have to re-listen to this to, like, soak it all in. <laughs> uh, you looped me. You looped me good. Um, yeah. N-R-G-C-E-N-T-R-E. That's energycenter.com. Check out Christy Huggins. We're going to link to all your stuff. Healing Life with Cancer. Uh, we, we've we got, you know, the, the full trilogy of... Of books that we're gonna link to, uh, I'm very curious to know what you do next. Um, I think you should be on the the American podcast uh Car Talk uh, or, or the radio show Car Talk, <laughs> <I got it. laughs> and, and they should just like <laughs> send problems to you, and you should see what ha- yeah. like you'll be the Edgar Casey of channeling car issues. Like that should be your thing. Um, yeah, I I'd love to see that, Christy. No, thank you so much for coming on. You you were fantastic. Um, you know what I mean. Uh. I, you you went from formless to form, back to back to uh, formlessness. I feel like. Do you feel that way?
1: Yeah, and and now we're in the form stage again, I suppose, because now we're touring and sharing yeah. and expressing and putting it into the form of seminars and traveling and book tours. So you're right. That's so go and see her. Go and see great. her.
0: Oh, good. <laughs> well, look, I was going to say, you. of course, and go visit her in the tent. If you see a yes. tent out there, Christy might be in there, but make sure you join her Facebook group first. So, it, you know, it is her
1: <laughs> just in case.
0: Um, Yeah, Christy. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. And um, yeah, I appreciate it. And thank you for letting me share everything and your amazingness and your openness to this kind of thing, because more people like you being open to hearing things like this, is what changes the world. So thank you.
0: Of course. Open loops. Open loops. Open loops open loops open loops you must listen to the open loops a theme park for absurd beliefs and systems of integration between the
1: mind and the creative spirit open loops